Well, good morning. Good morning. It is great to be together again this morning. Yes, it is. I apologize for the song slides. That one was on me. I don't normally do the song slides, but I have a slideshow for you today. And uh, so I was hanging on to it, and I just... Space. So, amen. But um, I do have for you guys this morning, I'm doing something a little bit different. I don't normally do this. I've actually prepared a handout for you. So, um, I'm going to have some help. I think uh, Scott and Peter already handed out. There you go. Wow. They're on it. Well, you guys now have a handout. That's great. Um, Not really done that before, but I had the idea of why not? This would be a good one. Some of it you'll be able to answer as the sermon goes on, but really I've added some scriptures in there that you can take home, dwell on it, meditate on it. You have a section on the bottom for general notes. If you want to take notes in uh, this morning's sermon, that would be a great place to do it, as well as um, you know some of the earlier questions that you're going to come into. But uh, my hope is that it gives you something to take, take home, maybe reflect on a little bit later, and really help the sermon sink in this morning. Uh, before we get started, why don't we pray? Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning. I, I come and pray and ask that I just be a conduit for your spirit and for your will, God. Pray that uh, I am truly an instrument of your word and of your will to speak through me powerfully. I pray that your Holy Spirit be on each and every one of us that uh, in, in working in in us to understand your scriptures in an incredible way. Father, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. Give us greater understanding this morning. Be with me as I uh, just speak and proclaim your kingdom. I pray that you help all of us come to a greater understanding of what your kingdom should mean and, and what it is and what it should mean to all of us. Jesus, I love you. I give thanks to you and praise to you in your holy name. Amen. Awesome. Well... The title of this morning's sermon is Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. You know, last week what I did is I focused on, we looked at um, we looked into Scripture in Luke, and what we did is I, I told you guys a story. I took you with me as we talked through, um, Jesus gives a parable, and then we actually see Jesus live out uh, and, and come in contact with two of these characters. But we talked about it in the, the idea of a story, because a story... Just something about when you think of a story, our brains react in a different way. You know what I'm saying? It, it reacts, we, we, we take parts and, and we visualize more when you think of a story. So, instead of focusing as much as I did last week on one very closed space, what I hope to do is tell you a broader story and paint a broader picture for you this morning. Alright? Alright. And so, where we're going to start is this idea of heaven and earth. Right? We often think about heaven and earth. And, and one of the things we need to understand is we think of them oftentimes as two separate things. And today in part, we're going to talk about how they actually have some overlap. And, and how God, from the beginning, while we see a division of heaven and earth, God's plan from the beginning, the union of heaven and earth, is really what the story of the Bible is all about. Right? When I study the Bible with people, I often tell them, I say, guys, you know, we think, many people think of the Bible as this instruction manual. Right? They think of it, basic instruction before leaving earth. You know, B-I-B-L-E. You, you think of it that way, but really, it could, it could more 
be encompassed as being a love letter, being a, 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 an account of how God is saying, guys, this is what my desire is from the very beginning. And all the way from the beginning to the end, what God does is He tells us this epic story of how He created everything to be in union, how sin came into the world, created division, right, and separated heaven and earth to be something different. And how God goes, He goes to the Israelites and He says, alright, through you I'm going to pick you people to be my people. And then you hear, well, the Israelite people, He still picks them, but they kind of keep messing it up, right? Yeah. And God keeps going, you know what, I've picked you, sometimes you get on my nerves, I'm still picking you, alright, I'm going to keep working through you because I have an ultimate goal to achieve. And you hear this story early on where God begins to say, I'm planning a kingdom. Through you, I'm going to reconcile the earth. I'm planning this kingdom, and it's coming, and it's coming. And you hear it from early on in the Old Testament. You hear it throughout the Old Testament, right? And then what happens is you see Jesus gets on the scene, and Jesus finally begins to talk as well, or not finally, he begins to say as well, this kingdom you've been waiting for, well, it's at hand right now. Alright? It's, it's here. Turn to your Bibles to Luke 17. If you're taking notes, um, Mark 1, verse 14 through 15 is one you can write down. I'm going to read it to you, but it says, <clears throat> After John was put in prison, this is in Mark 1, not Luke 17, but it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Right? So early in Jesus' ministry, this is Mark 1, early in Jesus' ministry, what does he begin to say? He says, alright guys, You've been hearing about this kingdom for hundreds and and thousands of years now. Well, right now, it's near. One way to put it is it's at hand. Some some Bibles translate it to say it's it's at hand. Now, if I told you, you know, it's you know, this water glass is is at hand. It's it's I can reach and, and grab it. You know, it's it's right here. Jesus is saying that the kingdom it's, it's at hand. And it's not far off. It's very, very close. Right? And so as he's, he's talking about this concept, he's introducing some of these other ideas. He's introducing, he uses this word, the, the gospel or the good news. Some, some manuscripts would add the good news of the kingdom or the, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this idea of, of good news... It, I mean, if I told you, hey guys, I have good news for you, you'd be like, oh, awesome, what is it? Right? If I tell you bad news, you're like, oh, don't tell me bad news, I don't want to know. Right? But, but when I tell you good news, and when Jesus says, the good news of the kingdom, and he's saying, it's at hand, these people would be a little bit excited. But what does Jesus say is there? He says, repent and believe the good news. And that, that is a common theme you'll hear from Jesus of the concepts of repentance and belief throughout the scriptures and throughout the Gospels. 
We won't talk as much about that today, but my hope is today is to help all of us come to a greater understanding of what the kingdom is, at least an aspect of it, and how it applies to us today. You guys with me? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's go, man. So, in Luke 17... Oh, no. Okay, wait. Go back. Great. That'll start in a minute. So, in Luke 17... Christopher, can you make sure the audio is set up for me? Because we're going to need that. Um, in Luke 17, verse 20 through 21, it says this. Jesus is speaking. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Right? Now, oftentimes we say, um, if I was to tell you where is, where is Mexico? Or where is Canada? That one's easier. Um, it's about 45 minutes up the highway. Right? And you're, you're in Canada. It's, it's north of us at this point. There's not many places you can say it's north of us in Vermont. But it's north of us, right? Mm-hmm. I could tell you that that nation is there. It's over there, right? Mm-hmm. But the kingdom of God, you can't say, oh, it's right over there. Or, or it's right here. He's saying, no, it's, it's, it's within you. Now, what's interesting about this is Maybe some of you have a different Bible or a different version that you're reading. Some of, some of the manuscripts will actually, or not some manuscripts, some translations put this word within to also be among or in your midst. I don't know if anybody else has that. Anybody else have that in their Bible? The reading? Okay. So you've got among or in your midst. And for a long time, this used to confuse me like crazy. Because I'm like, well, it's either among you or it's within your midst. Anybody else? Think that, feel that way, right? I, I, felt, I felt that way for years, trying to figure out what, what? You know, it, it didn't seem to make sense. It's either within you or it's, you know, out. Um, but that was not true. There are words that are, are challenging in the Greek that can mean more than we, we can get in, in our English language. Sometimes both of those meanings are still true. And I would actually say they are. And what we'll talk about today is this concept of how the kingdom is both among and in our midst. As Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to them. He's saying, it's among you and it is in your midst. But it is also within. All right. And we're going to clarify that today. You guys with me? Okay. So what we're going to do. As, you know, Jesus is speaking to them. He gives them this cryptic response. They ask him a specific question. And Jesus, as Jesus does, essentially throws back kind of a riddle or his own cryptic response, which is great. Um, I think it's fun. I like riddles most of the time. Uh, I don't know if you guys do, but it's kind of cool. Uh-huh. I like that about Jesus. But like I said, my hope is to give us a little more clarity about this this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to show you a short video. It's, it is about six minutes long, all right? But we're going to talk about the idea, they're going to introduce this idea of heaven and earth. And what they're going to do is they're going to kind of show you how they overlap, 
Alright? But in this overlapping space, they don't ever refer to it this way, but I want you to hear and I want you to see the kingdom. And I want to really help us understand today how the kingdom and our role in bringing heaven on earth. Alright? So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting, is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but... This idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy, because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart, and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from Him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a clear distinction. So you said that these spaces can overlap, though. So... Explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap? They're so different and they're in conflict with each other. This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible was all of heaven and earth reunited. Right, so we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now this 
word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple, he's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbed sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Awesome. So, I thought that was a fun video. I do, you know, if it apologize, I apologize if it offended you when the guy uh, aggressively showed his heart to God. But um, in reality, I mean, you think about it, there's in many ways that that's a fairly accurate depiction for many people. Um, but the, the idea of this whole, uh, this whole sermon is looking at how God has, you see, it gave us a little bit of a picture how God has united, oh, turn this off, the heaven and earth. Because many people often think of it as heaven and earth. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that? Right? And so we often think, well, I, I live here and then one day I'll go there. But that's not exactly true. Right? And, and what we find is that God has truly, from the beginning, been trying to unite heaven and earth again. And you see it different places. And so, uh, I'm going to have three quick points. But the first point is, the kingdom is heaven on earth. The kingdom is heaven on earth. So when we think about it, as I said, God doesn't really depict it just this way. Early on, He's been trying to unite it. And He starts with the idea of temples. Right? We saw that where it shows the temple. 
But in that, we see that a temple is a place where God's Spirit dwells. And he says, this space right here, this purple space, is what I want and I hope we can see as the kingdom of God. But not only does the kingdom stay there, we're going to talk about our part in getting it out of there. Right? And so we understand that the kingdom is any place God has made holy and pure and where there is obedience and a righteous relationship between God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Alright, those are important things. And so when we talk about Jesus, right? That was point one. There you go. Told you they were quick. Point two will be a little bit longer than point uh, one. But when we look at Jesus, it says that here, Old Testament God, there is the temple, right? You see the temple. But then he says, Jesus, being the impure embodiment of God, is actually a temple himself. Some of you laughed, thought it was a little silly. But you think of that reality that Jesus was a place made holy and completely pure, where the Spirit of God dwelled completely within him. Right? Right? So it makes sense to go, God, Jesus was a walking temple of God. But it wasn't stationary. As we saw in, in Luke 17, Jesus says, right? He says, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is among you or in your midst. It was one of the ways to say that. So literally, am I in your midst right now? I'm among you. So when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is among you, he's, he's literally referring to himself in that aspect. It's among you. It's in your midst. Mm-hmm. Why? Because around Jesus, he is living out the will of God. Right? With every word, with every step, with every action that Jesus takes, he's literally bringing God's will to the presence around him. And so, you see him going about creating these little bubbles, right? He says, what's up? You know, how's it going? You know, be healed. All of this stuff. But he walks around and he begins to create these little pockets of heaven on earth. And so what you see is, in that aspect, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you or in your midst, that's very true. You guys with me? Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. Hopefully... Um, now, because of this, because of Jesus, we get to see the really incredible part. You guys ready for it? Point three. <laughs> Woo! Right? The kingdom of God is within you. Within you. Right? Go to Second Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians six, verse nineteen. Oh, I think I meant first. 
Sorry, I kept switching them back and forth. So, in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter, right, chapter 6, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Right? And so, when you think, we we thought about the temple, that's the place where God dwells, but you think, you, we, disciples of Jesus, anybody who's been, you know, buried and resurrected with Christ, buried through repentance and baptism and resurrected with Him through faith in the power of God, we've participated in that with Jesus. But, right, we look at it, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be the sacrifice so that we could enter this space and be here. And what we know is that Jesus and the cross was that sacrifice. You on with me? And so, when we consider it, because... Because we have been purified, we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb to take away our sins, to pay for us. That's where when Paul writes, he says, you've been bought at a price. What was that price? It was the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's what we celebrate every single Sunday. That's why communion is the most important part of our service. Right? And, I mean, you know, you say, oh, well, the sermons are good. Or, well, Hopefully they're good, right? Mm-hmm. Communion is the most important part of our service. Because it's all about the body and blood of Jesus. What was paid for us so that we could enter this space, right? And when we look at it, though, we know because of, because of it, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Right? So now, we carry around, and and you'll see in in the extra verses there, I hope you take a chance to go and look through those, how we actually carry Jesus with us every day of our lives. And, And not only that, because the Holy Spirit is within us, we actually act out and take the kingdom into the world. Remember I told you the kingdom, it says, Jesus said the kingdom is among you. Right now, we sit in a piece of heaven on earth as long as we live in righteous relationship with each other, being purified by God and obeying His Word. We could sit in a piece of heaven right now. Why? Because we've been made holy and pure. The temple was the place where it was holy and pure and people obeyed the will of God. Jesus was that because He was holy and pure and obeyed the will of God. So doesn't it make sense that we also are the same exact thing? You with me? And so, when you walk around, think of a bubble, right? Everybody has, you know, everybody has a personal space bubble. My bubble's pretty small. Some people have a very large bubble, right? They're they're like, if you're within this distance, you are way too close. Some people prefer much farther than that. Generally, I'm about this distance, 
you know, unless I invite you in and I do that often. But that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a small personal, ba- you know, personal space bubble, but I hope that my kingdom space bubble is large. I hope that my influence on bringing God's will into this world is bigger than just what's right here. Yeah. Right? And, but that happens through my words and my actions. It, it, it happens through keeping myself free of sin. Right? Living a repentant life. And not letting that be a part of me. That makes me holy and pure. And then as I act and speak and do as God would have me do in my life, I and you literally bring heaven on earth. You create a union. And this is an incredible power that God is working and doing through you. That you have. Do you see that? So this can dramatically change the world around us. Wouldn't you... I mean, we, anybody ever felt like, I just want to die and go to heaven? <laughs> I've felt that way on multiple occasions. Okay? But there's aspects where I, I actually can bring heaven on earth to other people. When we bring the word of Christ, when we bring the love of God into people's presence, people are hurting and mourning, people who are, are enduring great things, we do God's will. And, you know, it says that in heaven, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will, he will, there will be no more crying, no more suffering, no more mourning, no more pain. What do you think our job here is to do? Isn't it not the same for us disciples? We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Is that not the same thing? You know, how many of us know the Our Father? We, I mean, even if you just started, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. On earth, as it is in heaven. We bring, in living out the kingdom, we bring heaven on earth. We bring the will of God. We bring this. And so, what happens? As we take Jesus and we go about our lives and we, do the, we live it out. You know, we think about every time when we... What are we going to do? We're going to get the, the Bible talk in Essex. That one will hopefully start soon. Amen? We're going to have an Essex family group, hopefully, for too long. We plant another pocket of the kingdom. I mean, you do that in every aspect and every day of your life. But then, what's going to happen when we get... The church growing more and more. Every person you baptize, you bring the kingdom to that person's home. You create another pocket. You create more and more and more. And what we see is that this world of ugliness and sin and death becomes more and more united with God's ultimate vision. But that's our role. We have a role in that. And it is not a passive role. It is one that requires and calls us to act. Living out the will of God in our lives. And if we don't speak, and if we don't remain repentant, if we don't remove sin from our lives, then we cannot achieve this. 
But when you act, and when you speak, and when you walk in the step of the Lord, and, and you do the will of Jesus, you, you bring heaven on earth. You who have the Spirit of God within you. Right? And so the call I have for us is to make sure we're doing that. You know, I've given you some practical aspects, but like I've said, practically for yourself, if you're taking some notes, what do you do? Share your faith. Talk about Jesus. Be loving. Even if you don't directly talk about Jesus, live out Jesus' way of living. Right? And by living that, hopefully you're bringing in and you're building those relationships and you will eventually talk about it because you want to help that person become another ambassador of Jesus. To become, because we're ambassadors of the kingdom. Right? We become, as citizens of God's kingdom, we walk around as Jesus did. Creating more pockets and more places. But to do that, we've got to talk. To do that, we've got to repent. And, and to do that, you know, you have to believe, you've got to repent, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And, and, and all of these things, we then persevere. And by that, we expand the kingdom. And little by little, we see and ultimately will be a part of bringing heaven on earth. This is not what God has planned. The union of heaven and earth is what the Bible is all about. But this is what God has planned. And you have a part in that today. If you're not a part of God's kingdom, if, you, if, you, if the words repentance are foreign to you and you don't know what that means, I encourage you, study the Bible. Let's study the Bible together. Uh, it, ask somebody who invited you to study the Bible. Get to know what it means more and more. If, you, if you're going, oh, baptism, ah, you know what? Let's study that out too. And we'll see how that plays a role in God's plan. Right? But what God desires is to unite heaven and earth. And we can do that. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. And I hope that together we will see God's plan lived out in our lives. Let's bring heaven on earth. Amen. Amen.